Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meats at stayclassymeats.com, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, WideMenCan'tJump, and follow us on Twitter, at wide jump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. What's up? Good evening, West Virginia. And the rest of the world. It is us. It is the Wide Men. We are back. Week 129 in a row. We've done it again, ladies and gentlemen. We broke our own record of shows. It was 128. Now it's 129. We bre- we're breaking records every week. Records like are falling thank, like crazy. I'd like to thank my agent, my wife and children, and mostly uh, Tom Robinson. Uh, sir, sir, you're not allowed to speak until the delegate from the Canadian province of Alberta has been addressed by the speaker. Now, Mr. Speaker... We acknowledge the delegate from the Canadian <laughs> Providence of Alberta, Tim Dombrova. And now, a direct line to uh, President Bush to talk about Gosh. the uh, pandemic. Uh, there's been a uh, pandemic. We thought you guys uh, were terrorizers. <laughs> uh, people don't like the pandemic. Uh, you know, like a, not to get you know, into he, politics. I'm not going to get into politics, but I will say this. Damn it, George Bush was funny. <laughs> At least he had that well, going for him. But, like but him or not. Unintentionally. Oh, it was unintentionally hilarious. The time that uh, the dude and the dude and I think it was Iraq or Iran threw the shoe at him, I I could not stop laughing. Didn't <laughs> it was he, so uh, funny. Did, didn't he choke on some noodles in Japan? Was that him or was that some? I don't remember. I think the greatest thing he ever did though was uh, and again this has nothing to do with politics. This is just George Bush being George Bush. Whenever he showed yeah. up at the inauguration and was putting the fighting with the poncho. Oh my God, that was hysterical! <laughs> is he is he the not going to do it guy? I think so. I'm not 100 percent on that. That Dana Carvey used to make such fun of on Saturday Night. No, I thought that was Ross Perot. Not going to do it. I thought Wouldn't that was Ross prudent. Perot. Wouldn't be prudent. That might be oh, his dad, actually. It might be his dad. <laughs> that might have been senior. Yeah, maybe. I think we're that- 
I think Senior did that. Wouldn't be prudent. Would not be prudent. But wouldn't it wouldn't be prudent if we didn't kick off the show here. with We've got some, some crazy stuff to get to tonight. We're going to talk about the last dance that continues on ESPN because it's really the the major basketball thing going on. We got some NBA news, some notes, some NFL news notes, things of that nature. We're going to talk about the NFL draft. We're also going to debut a new segment. Um, do you do you want to do that now? Do you want to debut the new segment now? Just right off the top. Sure. Let's go for it. Bring All it right. On. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bring you in this segment wild and crazy stories and in sports, sport, and these are things that that Tim and I didn't know for the most part. A lot of now some of it we did, but this is like behind the scenes, dark, dark things. And of course, it's hosted by the Shinston Finkel himself, ladies and gentlemen. We're bringing you what we're calling the Bogus Buffet. It's just going to be knowledge upon knowledge and stories from Ed Bogus and. Tim, a lot of people, when they heard this idea, they turned out in droves. Did they not? Well, you know how many celebrities want to play Ed Bogus in a theater or radio and or television performance? At least two. I think it might have been upwards of three. Well, it could be. But we had to have some sort of introduction for this because we don't want us to be like, okay, here it is. And we could think of no one better to bring you an introduction like no other. And if you know Ed Bogus, he's a buffet buster from way back. He's one of those guys who can go through and, you know, never personally even notice that, uh, that he hit the spoon. Personally has put the 27 uh, all-you-can-eat buffets out of business. He has. He has. We miss you, Charhouse. <laughs> um, so, anyway, this man need, really needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. So, ladies and gentlemen, to lead us in to the Bogus Buffet, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Rocking the, rockin rockin the pandemic all the way from Margaritaville. Yes, it's, it's pandemic aid live from Margaritaville and bringing you <laughs> the Bogus oh, Buffet introduction. Tim, what have you got for us from our well, man Ed Bogus? Tonight's inaugural uh, Bogus Bedtime Buffet. <laughs> Hey, Whitney, how's it going? <laughs> it's a midnight buffet. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Whitney knows what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, there's a today, lawsuit. Today's story of why? Well, we're a happily married couple. No lawsuits there at all. Um, today's uh, bogus bedtime buffet is the uh, sordid tale of one Besson Dali. 
who you who you probably know as Brian Williams. Yes. All right. Now, Brian Williams, of course, as for those who don't know, uh, played a had a cup of coffee in the NBA, um, won a championship in '97 uh, with the Bulls as a fill-in guy, and was actually uh, a member of the Detroit Pistons and a well-paid uh, basketball player. Now, as the story goes, Nate. Oh, I might add in there. He also dated Madonna. That a boy. Way to go. No wonder they called him. How many NBA players did date Madonna? Good lord. Yeah, I think that list might be shorter. The guys who haven't. Yeah, like a virgin didn't last very long with Madonna in the locker room. So, so I'm just gonna call him. I'm just gonna call him Mr. Williams because that's easier. So it's the it's the '99 season. It comes to an end. He decides he's going to retire at the age of 30. Walks away from $36.5 million on his, still on his contract. What an idiot. Rather, he didn't want to be traded. Had enough. Was never really that uh, passionate about the game, apparently. And had Clearly. Already earned enough, had already earned enough money by that point to walk away. year or two of retirement go by. Mr. Williams uh, gets a boat, buys a catamaran. This is going to tell you where his mindset was at. He names it the Hakuna Matata, believe it or not. <laughs> what a wonderful <laughs> Yeah, that's that's just mind-numbing all alone right there. But anyways, so they, he takes his girlfriend and his brother, who is uh, Kevin Williams, who also, I believe, played in the NBA for a little while. And uh, they get mm-hmm. a captain of this boat, and they go off uh, sailing. They, they're sailing off Tahiti. Now, as the story goes, uh, he never comes back. Nobody comes hmm. back, and uh, they think the the uh, ship is has lost at sea, or whatever the case may be. But yes. so turns out. Uh, his family doesn't buy that story. And uh, it turns out the brother uh, got in a fight. The two brothers got in a fight. And the girlfriend uh, in the age-old Hollywood, supposedly, because the only guy that's left to tell the tale is the brother. But they got in a fight, and the girlfriend got in the way, and she got smacked her head on the, uh, you know, on something on the boat and died. And that... Mr. Williams huh. panicked. Mr. Williams panicked and shot the boat captain. Well, that'll do it. Then the two of them got in another fight, and the Kevin Williams is forced to kill his brother. Wow. All right. Now it gets really weird. Oh, there's more. Because there's more. So now as this comes out, he claims he shot his brother in, in self-defense and threw the bodies overboard before he went back to the States, and they caught him. He intentionally overdoses on insulin. Jeez! Slips into a coma, and he dies. So, uh, where they're left is, okay, these two brothers apparently fought all the time. Nobody really knows what happened. 
we can't really believe the second brother, the, the one that survived, like whether that story is true or not. Nobody knows. He dumped the bodies in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, so they're never being found. And you're left with a sordid tale of a career ended early, uh, another career ruined, and four people dead, and nobody nobody knows why. Wow. That's insane. Speaking of insane, joining us halfway through that salted tale, Caller Jeff, welcome back. What's going on, guys? Uh, I think uh, I caught the midway, and the guy's talking about the Bison Daily. Is that who you were talking about? You know, Jeff's got to come in and spoil everything because he already knows the story. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, he contributed to uh, the 97 team nicely. Uh, came off the bench and uh, several games in the po- uh, postseason. Uh, provided a little spark for the Bulls. And as you said, he got paid by the Pistons. And uh, it was kind of bizarre how all that ended. I remember uh, vaguely, but I do. It just sounded right. So, but. Uh, it's a, pretty weird, uh, it's a pretty weird story, uh, even for this day and age. It's kind of a bizarre one. Yeah, right, right. But that, that's and and it's and that's where it sits at this time. Uh, of course, his his death is explained, but the other three are still basically uh, unsolved because they don't really know if his story is true or not. There's no way of wow. ever knowing. No, I guess there's not, but. Well, that'll do it for our first edition here of the Bogus, uh, as we're calling it, Bedtime Buffet. Next and, week, uh, Oh, week? we got more coming. Next week, James James Worthy stung by police in prostitution. <laughs> Stay tuned. I love that one. Can't wait for that. The only way I know, though, to get out of this and move on is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at one 800 203 91 Six nine. Stephen P. New answers to your legal questions.
Thanks again to our great sponsor, the Law Offices of Stephen P. New. All right. The Sunday night delight that we've all had for the past two weeks now, The Last Dance, episode three and four aired on ESPN the other night. Episode three kind of centered on Dennis Rodman. And, of course, I go back and tell the story of Michael Jordan, the early Bulls. You know, they said this was a documentary featuring the the Bulls last season together, 97-98, but this documentary is telling the entire story of the Chicago Bulls from the time Jordan entered the league to the time Jordan left the organization. Um, Episode 4 was more focused on Phil Jackson a little bit, but still, so much to dive into. Jeff, you're our guest. What do you think, looking at it from the beginning here with the Dennis Rodman episode? Uh, well, some takeaways, uh, you know, I like to look at, after I've watched these shows, I like to say, well, who's trending up, who's trending down. And, um, you know, the first two, I really felt like Jerry Krause was down and I don't know if he could have recovered. However, I kind of think he did, not totally, not nowhere near total, but somewhat cause two reasons. Uh, the first one, after the 1989 season, after Doug Collins made it to the – the Bulls made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, and they got beat, I believe it was four games to two, after being up two to one. Uh, but he fired. Jerry, Jerry Krause fired him and brought in Phil Jackson. I mean – how often do you see a team make it to the Eastern, like either one of the conference finals, and uh, it can't? But, um, anyways, I mean, I, I thought that took, you know, uh, some balls to do that to make the well, hire. Even well, so, wasn't that just foreshadowing for, or for the whole fact that they were going to fire? Well, they didn't fire Phil Jackson, but. Basically, we are never we will not rehire you after this year, even if you go eighty-two and zero. This is that kind of organization. So, uh, you know, I mean, this, you know, this is nineteen. Like I said, it's nineteen eighty-nine. I don't. I mean, I just was kind of thrown off. Uh, well, I mean, I, I knew it happened, but I'm just saying that. No, uh, but, for them, but I guess kinda, he didn't like Jerry. Kind of, I, I don't know. I, my takeaway from that is that that guy really wanted to be more. I mean, not that he wasn't important, because he was, obviously. I mean, he was a general manager. But he, I think he wanted to be he wanted to be acknowledged. And he was never going to get acknowledged in that city as long as Michael Jordan was there. It wouldn't have mattered what he did. It always would have been, well, yeah, anybody can, you know, how hard is it to win with Michael Jordan? Um, let's see, that and um, I would say probably that I mean, I, I, to me, that would just be at the time would be something unprecedented. And like you said, he might have been trying to. Uh, I, this needs to be more about me, not just the players or the coaches or whatever. But he liked Phil Jackson. You know, he he actually told uh, one of those back in the '60s. He told uh, one of the teams, one of those other professional leagues at the time. I don't think it was the ABA, but they, he told them that they needed to draft Phil Jackson. Uh, Jerry Krause did the team that he was with, and uh, so he, him and Jackson go way back, you know. And so uh, for him to do the move was kind of 
uh, like Jerry like, but at the same time it was like, well, hey, we just got, we just made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But he won. He thought his system would work better. Uh, Fields did, and ultimately it did. It just well, Jordan's uh, it wasn't numbers Phil's went down. System, though that that's it wasn't Phil's system. Well, it wasn't his system, but it was the, Tex Winter's. You know, Tex Winter. Yeah, was Tex, the, Tex Winter was the guy who. Yeah, Tex Winter was the guy who had the, this idea of the triangle, and Doug Collins wasn't going to hear of it because Doug Collins, you know, he'd gotten to the professional level doing what he had done. I mean, hell, they just got to an Eastern Conference final doing what they were doing. Now, whether they could have made it to the finals or not with Doug Collins, that's open to debate. Um, you know, of course, you never know. And Collins was a good coach. Like I don't think you can deny that. But winners saw the benefits of the triangle offense. Here, here's, and, and we can dive into the triangle offense a little bit. When you watch the triangle, it is designed to work as long as the players fit the system. That's my like. You can't just take the triangle and implement it anywhere. Um mainly because you've got to have superstars. It's only worked with teams that have superstars, and right. that's just the truth of it. I mean, you saw Derek Fisher tried to do it in New York with some ham and eggers, and next thing you know, it you know, it feels gone, Derek's gone. It doesn't work. It does not work without superstar players. It worked with Shaq and Kobe. It worked with Michael Pittman and Rodman. And it, it worked in that situation – and it did get Michael to take some of the the burden off of himself and pass the ball more, but it wouldn't have worked if Pippen had not been a, a guy who could actually handle the ball. you got to have at least three to four guys that can handle the ball in the triangle. Right. Because if yeah, you get I mean, a guy that does, they can't yeah. dribble, he's just going to turn the ball over. And Jordan right. even said, you know, I don't want Bill Cartwright shooting jump shots. And you got to agree with him. Bill Cartwright was not known as a, a jump-shooting king. Right, but the big man is uh, the big man is a vital piece of the triangle as well. I mean, all the time absolutely. The ball goes ball goes into him, and you know those guys. At the you you watch. I mean, Bill Winnington, Luke Longley, they all, they all had nice for big men. They all had nice mid range jumpers, and yeah. that's why they had success. Uh, in horse well, and Rodman, was, Rodman could score when he needed to. I mean, it wasn't like Rodman. I mean, Rodman never really had a a great jump shot per se, but if he needed to score, Rodman could score. He just chose to be – he chose to do the dirty work. And you need a guy like that. And then, you know, you've got Pippen, who was a small forward. You could play Kukoc at the four. You know, he had a knockdown jump shot. Almost everybody on that team had some sort of jump shot, kind of like the Lakers, Kobe, other than Shaq. You know, you had Kobe, you had Glenn Rice, Rick Fox, Robert Ory, Derek Fisher. I mean, Ron Harper was there for a, a cup of coffee. Rodman was there for a cup of coffee. I mean, everybody that implemented when these Lakers had Phil Jackson, ran the triangle, and won titles, they could shoot. And that's one of the – now, do you think the triangle could work in today's NBA? Probably, because we're getting into that. Uh, I'm, supply, I'm surprised you don't see it more often – but again, you're not gonna. A lot of guys don't go to the post anymore, so it kind of negates the triangle in itself. Well, and if, and if you're not if you're not gonna play it, it the results are horrific. 
If you if you if you yeah. try to run it, if you try to run it with guys who can't run it, eesh, it gets ugly really really quick. Oh yeah, so, it's like it's bad. Well, they even said it took them over a year to learn how to right. to run it so, right. Most most franchises. Let's be honest. I mean, if you if you have a big losing season nowadays, when you're not supposed to have one, that almost leads to across the board uh, changes and heads are going to roll and guys are gone. Or, or stars don't want to play there anymore and they force trades. Like, you really almost can't afford a year of trying to figure it out anymore. No, no, you can't. And, and, look, and the reason they could back then was, you know, Jordan had signed the long deal. Pippen was, was about to sign the long deal. They had, I mean, seven-year contracts. You, if you throw that out there now, that, I mean, that's just not going to happen. It doesn't well, happen. And even, and even so if it does, you had time to nobody, do it. Right. Nobody's going to play one out. Now let's talk about the real elephant in the room as far as that show went. Let's talk about the, let's talk about, well, there's two elephants. One would be how many Chicago Bulls are cringing at the fact that uh, Dennis Rodman had his way with Carmen Electra on every bit of Bulls training paraphernalia you can imagine. And you know what? And you know what? More power to him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good, good for him. But but the real elephant in the room is Bill Lambeer's comments. Well, let, let's look at <clears throat> let's look at Isaiah Thomas and and for those that haven't been keeping up, obviously the the rivalry between the Detroit Pistons the Chicago Bulls well documented. Uh, the Bad Boys of Detroit they were a, a spur in the saddle of uh, of the Bulls. I mean, basically this was. You know, if you compare it to nowadays, it's uh, LeBron James without uh, two other all-stars around him. Uh, so that's, you know, kind of the spur under there. It's a little shot at LeBron. Uh, anyway, um, I think I think that the Pistons, of course, get a bad rap because they were that team that didn't care. But I'll be damned. If you watched the Pistons play back then, you were entertained. Uh, they... They were dirty, but you knew they were dirty. And another thing that jumps out, and I'll let you guys uh, jump in on this. Man, how tough did you have to be to play in the league back then? Because, like, they're punching people in the face. They're getting into fights. And there's not even technicals. They're just common fouls. That's just how the rules were. If you got drilled or you got undercut, okay, get up, shoot two foul shots. You know, that's what was no... And and everybody knew it, too. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I I don't understand why he fouled me. You knew if you were going to go to the the hoop with a ball, you were going to get hacked. That was just how it was, and everybody did it. They just did it even less, uh, I don't know what the word is. They didn't even try to disguise it as a hard foul. They would just knock guys down. Yeah, they that, would. That's and, just and, the way you know, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's just how the league was. But let's bounce back to the Pistons a little bit. Isaiah Thomas's comments on the show, and then Michael Jordan's retort to that. Isaiah says, "You know, we passed the torch the way the Celtics passed it to us." And granted, he, there is some merit to that. Uh, and nobody ever talks about the Celtics. And you know, it's said that that stunt cost Isaiah part on the dream team but 
What do you guys think? What do you think about Isaiah's comments and then Jordan's retort back? Uh, go ahead. And then if you want, just talk about the Pistons-Bulls rivalry a little bit if you want. Just kind of, yeah, we got plenty of time. There's no need to rush. You know, think, think it out. Well, if I'd say, Nathan, if you really want to get in the trenches of it, uh, I mean, I think the Isaiah Jordan thing goes even beyond 1990, 89, 88, 89, 90, 92, the dream team. Because uh, do you remember in the first or second episode what coach came on and said, Michael Jordan is the greatest competitor I've ever coached, uh, the most skilled uh, player, most athletic player, which makes him the be- best basketball player I ever coached. Do you remember the coach that made that comment? Was that Dean Smith? Close. Uh, no, it was, was, uh, it was uh, the guy from Indiana. Yes, Bobby Knight. Bobby oh, Knight. Oh, Bobby Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, he did. After they won the gold medal in the Olympics, and you know Jordan had a really good Olympics. Well, who was Isaiah Thomas's coach in college? Where did where Thomas go to school? Well, he go he to, did he go to Indiana? Was he yes, in Indiana? Yes, he did. Guy? They won a championship as well, like in hmm. eighty or eighty one. But uh, a good I point. Mean, for him to say that, you know, he's going to. And Thomas was awesome. I mean, he's top two or top three point guard in my book uh, all time. Uh, but uh, you know, with uh, Magic being up there, maybe Curry and then Isaiah. Uh, or, you know, however you want to look at it. But anyways, uh, there was a little jealousy there, I think, for a while. Hey, you're kind of, who are you? You're crapping on my turf, things like that. Um, uh, Rob Thorne came out and said today he actually designed the, he put uh, together the uh, dream team. Uh, he assembled it. Um, you know, Thomas probably did deserve, I don't know who you would have taken off, Uh I guess, I mean, they wanted to keep a college athlete on there. Uh, Leitner won that over Sack that year. Uh, Drexler got the nod over Isaiah on the last, uh, you know, the last day or whatever they decided to make out the full roster. Uh, John Stockton actually broke his leg, and they didn't know if he was going to play or not. And Isaiah wasn't even going to be the guy over him. His teammate, Joe Dumars, was going to get the nod over him. But uh, Stockton was able to go on and play. So uh, I don't think any – it wasn't just Jordan. I, th- I don't think anybody really wanted to play with Isaiah. I mean, he just didn't, for whatever reason. Uh, it wasn't just the Bulls that didn't like the Pistons. It was the Celtics, Lakers. I mean, the Celtics walked off whenever the Pistons beat them. So um, they just didn't like that. A lot of people didn't like their style of ball. And, uh, you know, like I said, it goes, I think it goes uh, – far than that but you know honestly the talent he had and you know they just came off this is 1992 they came off a championship in 1989 and 90 he probably somebody from that team probably should have been on there yeah you would think i mean you would think they would put somebody on there whether it be uh dumars or tom clearly you would think isaiah it's his team you would think he would be on there i mean they could have probably left christian leitner off i don't i mean did they really need him on that team, I mean, honestly, but well, in 1988 was the was the year they they got beat by the Soviets in the uh, semifinal game, and I believe they had just had enough of it. So the yeah, that was player, a, that was they, a PR they, move to put him on the team. Yeah, yeah. and they wanted one college athlete on the team. Of course, his coach was on the the assistant 
uh, that year. Shashevsky was. Of course. Daly was the head coach. So. Yeah. And that's the crazy part is Chuck Daly, who was Isaiah's coach, was the coach was the of the Dream coach. Team. Yeah. And, and if he you didn't remember, have not one of his guys. He actually went and shook Jordan's hand after that. You know, and Jordan brought up a good point. Hey, after 1990 for a third straight year, I went out there and shook everybody's hand and even did an interview out on the court after they got beat in game seven. You know, he hadn't yeah, been devastated. Did. They got beat again. So the way he looked at it, hey, these guys should have, you know, showed. he talked about sportsmanship. Hey, I was out there and shook everybody's hand after, you know, you handed yeah, it to us. Gave a classy, and years. gave a classy interview, too. He even said, you know, hey, yeah. they were the better team. Yeah. They beat us. Fair. You I don't know, know if they I could have done it. <laughs> With the it amount of the hatred territory. between those teams. Go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. It comes with the territory, man. That's that's my problem with the Pistons. It's not that they were a bunch of dirty hacks. It's that they could give it. Not quite so good at taking it back, though. Like, I got no problem. You want to play that? I mean, it's all about winning. They won. Nobody can argue that. Two, two in a row. Doesn't happen a lot, a lot. So, you can never take that away. But if you're going to live by the sword... You're going to die by it, too. And those guys act like they – I don't know. I don't care for the attitude. Play hard, play rough, even play dirty if that's if it gets the job done. You can't really argue with it. But to turn it around and, you know, and then he call I mean, particularly Lambeer, but he, he might be working the gimmick, too, of, you know, well, they were just a bunch of whiners. Well – you and you and you're not right now. <laughs> like, isn't that what you're doing? I mean, who cares? Wins are wins, loses, losses are losses. And to say that, well, the only reason they lost was because they got old. Well, that's the excuse he tries to make. Yeah. Yeah, which is which yeah. is total nonsense. Um, you know, every every dog has his day, and then you lose it. And it would have it would have happened to the the Bulls if that team would have stayed together eventually somebody would have come along and beat them regardless of how good they were because father time is undefeated and that's just how that stuff works. But I don't know. Why can't you be, why can't you take your wins? You got them how you got them. That's wonderful. How come guys can't just say, you know, they, they were better than we were. And clearly talent wise, the bulls were a better team than the Pistons were. Yeah. And the Pistons knew that they admitted it. I mean, they said, yeah, the bulls were the better team. Talent-wise, they said, but we were going to just pound them and beat them to death. And they did, and that's why it worked for for Detroit. But specifically, they pounded and beat Jordan to death. And once they had another another player there, though, then that didn't work either. (laughs) Well, if you notice, Jordan goes into the offseason, starts putting on muscle right after the Game 7 loss. And they even asked him, he goes, we're going to beat Detroit this year. We're beating Detroit this year. And it almost felt like when they got into that and they get to, you know, the series with Detroit in the Eastern Conference Finals and they beat Detroit. I mean, of course, they wanted to win a championship, but it was like just getting there felt like almost a bigger milestone than winning it, in my opinion. It, it almost seemed like if they could beat Detroit, then they had exercised a, a demon. that, And, you yeah. know, then it was like, okay – well, we can win the title. We want to win the title, but if we don't, we beat Detroit. And that's really the, the most important thing. I mean, well, he even said, he even said, hey, if we can, if we can do, beat them, we can be, do anything. And, uh, you know, after they beat them, they didn't ever lose another finals. And wouldn't, yeah. it, wouldn't it be something, though, 
in all honesty, to be able to see a basketball game and or a, a playoff series played with that type of intensity again. Oh, I miss it. I miss it so much. It's just where, the intensity. The where you're not the fact sure that, from oh. from the first from the first from the tip off to the last buzzer. You're not sure. You're you're moments away from a fight breaking out on every play. No, none of this nonsense of guys going to the bucket uncontested and everybody lopes back down to the other end, <laughs> like you see now. Guys yeah. are getting hacked. Man, you you okay? Yeah, you got a clear lane to the to the to the hoop. I'll just tackle you. Screw it. Well, I was you yeah, part gonna, of the Jordan rules. Yeah, I mean, what do you, you got? You are gonna you are gonna eat some hardwood if you're gonna get. You're not gonna get two easy points on us. You're gonna have to earn them from the strike, because we're what gonna you knock think you about down. that. What do you think about the Jordan rules? That was I thought that was pretty interesting. It's like there's no I don't know. You look at it modern day. Are there rules for guarding certain players? I'd never heard that before that they had well, Jordan there, rules. Sure there sure there is, but they've went the other direction. You've got That's the hard the only way they were going to beat them. I mean, you've got the Harden rule where if you come within 13 feet of him and brush him, you're going to get he's he's shooting. You can't touch pro. You can't touch. I mean, it's went the other direction. You can't touch anybody anymore. What pa- what passes for a foul these days? Back in the nineties, that was warmups. Those own guys on their own teams were doing that. Yeah. I find I mean, the game is the game is very much because all the guys are buddies, and I don't yeah, like. Yeah, I that. hate that. I hate the buddy system. I don't want to see guys hugging and talking about where they're going for dinner when the game is over. You're supposed to not like those guys. You're getting paid a ridiculous sum of money. People are paying ridiculous sums of money to watch you. These The game should be much, much more contested than what they are these days. Kenya Martin actually talked about that not too long ago. He said that he didn't, today's NBA, he didn't, he didn't understand why there was the buddy system. Hey, you go here and I'll go here with you. Hey, well, Kenyon Martin never got along with anybody, so it didn't matter anyway. Kenyon Martin went to Cincinnati, played under Bob Huggins, but Kenyon Martin, uh, that dude was crazy. I don't think anybody liked him anyway. But, but and still, I agree with him, but I still agree I with would, him. I would love to see even guys I don't like. Like, I don't like James Harden too much, and I'm not a very big LeBron fan either. But I would love to see when LeBron gets kind of figures he's gotten a raw deal for whatever reason. Then he got up and smacked, and not smacked the dude, like open fist smacked him, but that he, you know, that there was some passion in the game besides just when when I when I dunk uncontestedly and now I'm a hero and I I I, I implore the crowd to cheer a little bit louder. I, I would love to see some. It doesn't have to be hatred, but close. <laughs> well, to me, that's that's one of the reasons why college basketball has such a huge following because you don't have to know one single player on that other team. You don't have to know any of them. They hate each other just for the jersey they're wearing. I mean, look at Duke and North Carolina. You could go to Duke and never know who plays for North Carolina, but when North Carolina shows up, you hate them and you want their blood. And 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 that's that's how it is. Yeah, and both programs could be meet in the last game of the season and both be 0-20. And that would be a uh, a brawl to see yeah, who was going to win. Absolutely, and, and that's why I think a lot of uh, a lot of people prefer college basketball because 
think the back in the nineties, the eighties and nineties had such high ratings in terms of, you know, viewers and attendance. Look at that. Look at the people that showed up to watch guys like, you know, Jordan and, and Thomas, and then you had Bird and Magic and all these rivalry games and, and guys that really wanted to beat each other. It was like, oh, it's just a regular season game, whatever. No, it felt like, now, of course, there were probably some nights they didn't, you know, it's a grind, but still, it felt like when the games meant a lot, those guys showed up and they gave 110%. And I think Jordan, I don't think that man ever took a game off. And it shows watching the way he plays and the way he the way he went at his own teammates. There would be games on the schedule where you knew, okay, you know, the Lakers are going to play the, the Celtics. It doesn't matter what their records are. It doesn't matter where they are in the standings. That game is going to be hotly contested. Now you see, they go, oh, the marquee matchup. And what happens in that game? Oh, it's 163 to 152. And some guys scored 94. There was no defense. Yeah, I mean, if you like points, I mean, the points are okay to uh, – they only go so far, though. Like, there's no there's, – there's the game became a business. It's much more of a business than – it used to be a sport with a lot of pride, and now it's become, well, how big a contract can I sign? Uh, I'm a brand. i got to get a shoe deal. I'm only going to play for probably, you know, seven to ten years. i got to make my coin while I'm here. Well, I get that, but again, I look at it as what do people want to see a lot of times in the NBA? They want to see they want to see points. They want to see buckets. They want to see threes. It's kind of like the NFL. The, the rules have kind of softened on offensive players, whereas the defensive players now get a, get a rougher time, and they want to see guys spread the ball because people like passing. If you did, you know, and that's to me why the Tennessee Titans were kind of an enigma this year because they didn't throw the ball a lot. They ran. They ran the ball with Derrick Henry. They hooked up to that horse and ran. And they were kind of different than every other team, and it worked. That's why it worked. And I think you're going to see eventually in the NBA people go back to that old-school style of play where they're playing tough defense and trying to stick to their man and maybe not lagging off so much. And you might see some nights where the final score could end up being 96 to 89 or something like that. Well, it can be it can be 158 to 148 if there's some effort involved. But most of those games there isn't. You know, they bring the ball over half court, they pass it to the open guy in the corner who throws up a three, and everybody trots back down to the other end. Repeat. So I, I think, mean, uh, go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. sorry. I, I, no, no, I no, think, no, you're fine. I mean, with come back to Jordan and then. I, he seen what it was going to take to get to the finals, get past the Pistons, and he had to work harder than he probably ever thought he would have to. As you were, you uh, talked about how he had to, he went into weight training as soon as they got beat. They didn't want to taste that anymore, and uh, it rubbed off on the other players as well. And next, the next year, what happened? Well, I mean, they just they swept them. It wasn't even it wasn't even close, and. Uh, you know, that, like to me, that was a that was a big takeaway. And uh, I uh, I talked about uh, Kraus with the Phil thing, but uh, getting Rodman. I mean, when Rodman went to San Antonio, I mean, 
Uh, I mean, he was a mess out there after a while. And then for him to make that trade, I mean, I thought that was a pretty good move on their part. I mean, I know Kraus made some bad moves as well. Um, but, uh, I mean, that was uh, back in 86 or 87, he made a bad – or not – I think it was 86 he made a draft, bad draft pick after they talked about how Jordan wanted Johnny Dawkins from Duke on the team. Well, Johnny Dawkins wasn't outstanding, but the, he picked another guy. I think his guy's name was Mike Sellers or something like that, and he ended up being a bust. But, uh, anyways, and uh, I, you know, I don't. I think another guy that keeps trending up, and I don't know if he's going to hit back down, is uh, is Phil. I mean, the way he was able to. I mean, when you're a coach, you have to deal with so many different personalities, and people could say what they want about treating every player equal, we all know that's not true. You're, you might, you, maybe you're supposed to, but everybody's different. Some guys get, uh, you know, they get yelled at more, or, and then some guys get more leeway. And, uh, you know, he's had to diff, deal with all the superstars, and uh, he just he's, he's, he's a good coach. I mean, I know he's had the players, but you got to look at it to this point, too. Kobe um, never won without uh, Phil, Shaq. Uh, although he went to Miami, he had Pat Riley as well. But he never won without Phil. Uh, Jordan Pippen never won it without. I mean, Phil being not saying they couldn't have won it, but uh, it just his. I mean, his mindset. I mean, how many times has Shaq come in uh, overweight and he would have to deal with that? that when he was with the Lakers, yeah. once the season he started. Was, he was very good at managing personalities. Yes. Yeah, that was one thing he was good at, and they they kind of dived into that. Uh, let's look here, since you brought it up. Here is, if you go back, Jordan was in 84. This is back when uh, there was 10 rounds of the draft. In 84, the Bulls took a, just so many players, but they take Jordan. Uh, that one worked out pretty well. The next year, they take Keith Lee and Ken Johnson and ship both of them off to Cleveland and Portland, so no real impact in 85. 86, they take Brad Sellers from yeah, Ohio Brad State. Sellers. Yeah. Uh, and really, nobody worth mentioning here, you know, later on in the draft. 87, they take uh, Olden Polonese and trade him to Seattle, and then they get Horace Grant. Um Two picks later, yeah, they, and Grant. Yeah, they got Pippen. By the way, they got Pippen in the Polonese trade. Yeah, they they got they picked up Pippen with that trade. Uh, by the way, Horace Grant, uh, that dude looks like he's doing like MMA now or something. That dude is looking. <laughs> he looks better now than he did when he played. You see he his arms? Like a bad boy. Good God, <laughs> looks like a guy. It looks like Bill. Looks like a guy Bill Ambeer wouldn't be messing with now, man. He is yeah, he called straight up bitches. <laughs> yeah. He did. Uh, Will Purdue in the 88 draft, he was a, a good piece in Chicago. Then they draft Stacey King and B.J. Armstrong in 89. Two good players there. One of my personal favorite Bulls in 90, Tony Kukoc in the second round with the 29th pick. I love me some Tony Kukoc, man. You know, the, you, know, um, you know what, Nathan, about that pick? Pippen and Jordan wasn't too crazy about that pick at the time. Uh, it worked out. They, yeah, right. It did, it, and he was when Jordan left the first time. Uh, I mean, he was a big player on that team. Uh, yeah, made some big shots. A lot of time was a go-to guy when Pippen. Pippen a couple of times got mad at the end whenever Bill would draw up the last shot for Kukoc instead of him. Yeah, but Kukoc was a good shooter. He could do a lot. Uh, I always liked him. But 
we we brought it up earlier talking about um, the Pistons, and I do want to talk a little bit more about the Rodman and Phil Jackson aspects of everything, but Bill Ambeer, ever the ever the uh, the man who loves to stir it up, Bill Ambeer, uh, he got on, I don't know where it was, um, he said that the Jordan-era Bulls were just whiners. <laughs> that they were whiners, and Jordan said in the documentary, I hated them, and the hate carries on to this day, and Lambeer was on the jump and said they whined and cried for a year and a half about how bad we were for the game, but more importantly, they said we were bad people, Lambeer said. We weren't bad people. We were just basketball players winning, and that really stuck with me because they didn't know who we were or what we were about as individuals in our family life. But all that all that whining they did, I didn't want to shake their hand. They were just whiners. They won the series, give them credit. We got old and they got past us, but okay, move on. And they says and then of course they go on to ask him uh if he had any remorse on how he and his teammates handed things back then. He said, Why would I regret it now today? I don't care what the media says about me. I never did. If I did, I'd be a basket case, especially back then. I was about winning basketball games and championships and did whatever I had to do to get the most out of my ability and our team, and we did. At the end of the day, we were called world champions. So that's Lambeer's retort. Um, what do you what do you think on that, Lambeer responding to Jordan? I, I'm not a bit surprised by those comments. Uh, I'm sure you all aren't either, but uh, for him – He's, I mean, he is right this whole time. Why would you change? Uh, he was now, but uh, if you've ever went back and watched the replays after they got swept in 91 by them, uh, he he had an interview, and he just, they kept asking him about, and he was really, really bitter in the interview. And uh, I just, you know, I don't, they were really upset they got beat, and uh, I think they felt that maybe perhaps the Bulls or Georgia and them would never overcome them, uh, but they eventually did. But uh, I think I think he's bitter towards things, and he was. I mean, he. I don't. I don't know if he was a bad person or not, but uh, he was a bad sportsman. I will say that uh, the way. I mean, just the way he acted after it. I mean. All of us have played, and everybody, you know, you play, you play hard, played physical, things like that. Uh, but uh, no one did like. I mean, it wasn't just the Bulls that had a problem with them. I mean, all, a lot of the NBA uh, didn't necessarily like them. They, but they had good players. I mean, they and they played good team ball together. When Coach uh, uh, Chuck Daly was the coach, I mean, he was a really good coach. That's. Talk about having to deal with personalities. I mean, Phil did, and look at Daly with, with all he had there. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he had Isaiah Duke. He had Lambeer, Thomas, Rodman. I mean, there were a lot of Lambeer guys Mahorn, there. With, they hated each Mahorn. other. Mahorn. And, but they, yeah, yeah, they, Mahorn, they, put, they did. They didn't like each other. They played hard, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John Sally was another guy. So, I mean, they had a lot to deal with there. And, and Daly, to his credit, did a good job. Daly was a great coach. Um, but I think what it is, is, and you can't deny the Pistons weren't, were great. They were, and they kind of changed, uh, kind of changed the way the game was played there for a while. They, uh, 
you know, they took over. Like them or not, and Jordan didn't, but they, they kind of uh, evolved the game a little bit, and, and they were they were hot. And Tim, I know you uh, you probably had a hot take here on Lambeer. What's your thoughts? I don't like Bill Lambeer much, but I will <laughs> most give, people I, don't. <laughs> I will give him credit for at least admitting, like he didn't try to dial it back and go, oh, yeah, no, and in retrospect, that probably, you know, would have handled it differently and all that kind of talk. He, he made no apologies for it. Got to give him respect for that. Uh, I think maybe the thing with the Pistons might have been that they kind of straddled that line between playing rough and tough and almost to the point of, okay, are they are they trying to hurt somebody out there? I mean, I don't know if I really want to go quite that far, but it, but but they they were they were definitely on the edge. There was some times yeah. I've seen some I've seen some highlights where I'm going, okay, he's he's not not only not trying to stop him from you know with a basketball play, he's trying to club him through. <laughs> he's trying to club him senseless, and you got to wonder, like you know, because you could bump into a guy and knock him off his stride, or you know. You hit him on the arm or whatever, and get, and get the foul and make him earn it from the uh, from the free throw line without you know clubbing the guy. And they, I've seen some stuff like under the basket where okay, they would knock a they wouldn't even knock a guy down. They would grab him, throw him to the ground, and then four guys would step on the guy, you know, as he tried to get up or as they you know in the scrum or whatever. And that kind of stuff I didn't care for. You know, a hard foul is one thing, but then there's that kind of cheap shot and or I'm trying to hurt you mentality, which I suppose if you're a Pistons fan, you probably don't see it that way. And if you don't like them, you kind of look at it that way to some degree. But, uh, hey, two NBA titles, man. Can't argue with that. I I think they did try to hurt them. But, uh, as you know, in 88, many people think they should have won that series if uh, Isaiah doesn't hurt his ankle, which he still had a – phenomenal game when he hurt his ankle that really that yeah time. but then he tried to play that next game and it just happened probably right. three but they only won the and, two and uh i think it was game six uh Beer got called for a kind of questionable call on kareem and kareem made both free throws and they the lakers ended up winning uh by one point but you know they could have they could have very well had their own three-peat uh so uh, that, yeah, I mean, you all it could have happened at the end of the game. That, that game, it was. If it had been anybody else besides Lambeer, they may not call it a foul. So that, you know, that's kind of on him. But uh, reputation does uh, does play a role in it, I believe. And uh, one thing I'll say, if you haven't seen it, I recommend the Thirty for Thirty special on the Bad Boys of Detroit. It's season two, and I believe it's episode nineteen. You can get it on. Uh, you can watch it on Amazon. Pretty sure you can stream them all there. Um, but yeah, you should check that out if you haven't seen it. It's a nice little companion piece, uh, at least from the Pistons' point of view. I thought it was interesting. I always liked that thirty for thirty special. It's not a ten part documentary, but uh, it takes you through the the Bad Boys Detroit Pistons. All right, uh, we got to pay a couple more bills here, uh, and we'll come back. We're going to continue talking about the Last Dance. Uh, we still got to talk about Rodman and and Phil a little bit more. I think there's some stuff we haven't touched on that I think we need to. So. Let's pay a couple bills, and we'll be right back right after this. Are you tired of the same old average, everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to StripCamFun.com. On StripCamFun, there are tons of eligible men and women 
segment waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at stripcamfun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires. And you can take advantage of the good times being had on stripcamfun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because stripcamfun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun, be sure to visit right now. It's stripcamfun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right, if you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meat is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. And again, thanks to our wonderful sponsors at Stay Classy Meats and Strip Cam Fun. Dot com, two great places to visit, uh, and both of them for meat. So go ahead and go there. <laughs> Man. All right, let's talk a little bit more about... Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Hello, All right, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it for myself. Well, All right, we, have, we haven't heard the primetime players yet, Nate, so... Yeah, <laughs> save, rumor has it they're back. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit here about Dennis Rodman. You know, Jeff kind of touched on it, Tim. You touched on it a little bit. But, you know, here's a guy who, of course, years and years ago, the bad as I want to be, the Dennis Rodman story came out. Um, You know, he went to southeastern Oklahoma, was an All-American, got drafted by the Pistons, played on the infamous Bad Boys team. And here's Rodman on the bad boys and then goes through some kind of like nervous breakdown or suicidal thoughts or, you know, he's got a shotgun in his truck or some, some kind of rifle and he shoots it at the palace or something like that. Um, crazy stuff there. And then he becomes this Dennis Rodman. We all know and love the wedding dress wearing North Korean dictator friend, um, semi pro wrestler. Occasionally Dennis Rodman who likes to party. Um, Tim, I'll go to you. I'll go to you. What What did you think about what we learned from Dennis Rodman? I don't know that I learned a whole lot about Rodman. I always kind of knew he was a little off his rocker, but mostly, if it makes sense, in a good way. Just a, just a, a very unique, one of a kind kind of guy. Who, if you could kind of give him his space to be a little bit weird, wouldn't really rock the boat. If he had the space, it was when they tried to rein him in and stuff. That's when he, when he would get into trouble. Um, 
I wonder, and I don't know, I've never heard anything to match it, but I wonder if he, I mean, he had a messed up childhood, uh, got booted out of the house, lived on the street for, what did he say, two years? Yep. I believe it was. Yeah, something um, like that. So, he, I mean, obviously he had some issues, but, I mean, when when Dennis Rodman wanted to play, he brought it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and arguably the greatest rebounder in NBA history, or top two or three anyway, for sure. Yeah, uh, he's modern, up there. Modern day, the greatest one in modern times anyway. I mean, when he was out on the court, he, he just was a vacuum cleaner out there. Uh, but like I said, a little bit weird. Uh, although, didn't they, uh, they – I mean, Jordan kind of spoke awful highly of him. You know, sure they, you, know I can, uh, you could trust uh, Dennis to do what needed to be done, and he would do it. So, you know, he gets a, a lot of his bad rap comes from stuff that had nothing to do with basketball. You know, wearing a, you know, trying to marry himself and all this, you know, and the Madonna thing and all that nonsense. But on the court, uh, not a lot of equals in the in the Dennis Rodman world, in my opinion. Jeff, what about you? What's your thoughts on Rodman? Uh, I echo some of the things that uh, Tim has said. Uh, he. Very uh, Jordan obviously trust very trustworthy. The uh, the documentary talks about when Beverly Pippen was having his ordeal with his quote unquote uh, injury, uh, <laughs> and how Rodman was really uh, there. It was just him and Jordan, and he kind of rose the occasion. He liked being the uh, the second guy and uh, played really well. And uh, and there, I don't know if you remember, but in a documentary during a during a timeout during one of the games, and uh, Jordan's talking about the rotation on a, a screen and roll, how they're going to guard, and uh, he he you know Rodman was very smart when it came to he was just a good basketball player, and he like like you all said, he brought it every single game. I mean, I mean just about every single. Unless he needed to go to Vegas, but I mean, whenever he was wanted to, he was good as anybody. And, that story uh, was so funny because he's like, "I just need a vacation," and Michael's like, "Hell, I'm the one that needs the vacation." Yeah, he's like, "Phil says Dennis has something to tell you," and he's like, "Oh God, you know." Yeah, so, it's definitely something you don't want to hear. And then they ask him, they say, "You." Got- can I get? Can you be back in forty eight hours? And Michael's like, he ain't coming back in forty eight hours, Phil. And then it's like, yeah. And he just leaves, drinks a beer, and hops on a motorcycle, and he off to Vegas. Crazy Jordan goes and gets him. Yeah, Jordan and gets, goes and gets him, drags him to practice, and he shows up in flip flops and pajama pants, which was fantastic. But you know, the most interesting part about that, I don't. You hear them talk about the Indian run or whatever and practice it to drill. Yeah. I don't know if you And he was good. Robin was fine. Do you know what it is? is what, uh, yeah, yeah, I know what it is. Okay, well, I mean, the last guy has to catch up and pass the lead guy. And uh, yeah. and Jordan's telling him, hey, just, you know, tank it a little bit. Uh, just go halfway. And, and Robin gets out, and he's <laughs> wired more than anybody else. They have a hard time catching up with him. Yeah, <laughs> they said it took four laughs to catch up to him. Yeah. Yeah, a character, that's for sure, but 
Um, but he said after he, when Pippen got back, you know, he went back to being third wheel, and there wasn't. Uh, I'm not saying he didn't like it, but he just felt he, he didn't, didn't get adjust, away. He didn't adjust very well to that. They 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 probably could have spent a little more time talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the team the team honestly at this point they almost needed to shrink. And they kind of had one with Phil Jackson, who was, you know, they talked about all these, you know, Phil being a, a hippie and the Native American spirits and into all that, uh, you know, if you're into that, cool. Um, and he really bonded with Rodman. And I think he was one of the only ones that really and truly bonded with Dennis Rodman. And I thought the pairing of those two episodes went well together because it almost looked at Phil as another member of the team and Phil talking to Jordan and trying to get Jordan to realize, Hey, you don't have to score 50 every night. You don't have to score 63 for us to win. You know, these other guys like Paxson can help us. You know, these guys can score. They're pro ball players too. You don't have to do it all. And I think that was something that Jordan had to realize because he was on those early teams where he was so used to having to do it all. And Doug Collins had drawn, drew up most of the plays to where Jordan had, he was like, okay, this is a shot for Jordan. Okay, this is a shot for Jordan. Jordan's going to shoot this one. And it's like, that's good that you have a superstar that can do that. But at the same time, you know, you've got all these other players now and you've built this team. They've gotten better. You need to use them. And Phil kind of well, used that with that triangle offense, I thought. Well, you know, Nathan, you know, uh, whenever they beat the Lakers that first time, I remember that game five. And uh, I was thinking, well, I don't know if they're going to, they might have to go back to Chicago and win this or not. But in the fourth quarter, I remember watching it. I said, man, John Paxson is going off this quarter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Phil was telling Jordan, hey, who's uh, who's open, Mike? You know, and uh, he's like, uh, uh, John is. He said, well, get him in the ball. <laughs> so, And that, that quarter, I mean, he couldn't miss. He was hitting jumper after jumper after jumper, and that put the Lakers away. And then, of course, we, we know what happened, what he did at – in the 1993 series at the end of the game six. So, um, and real quick on Robin too, before we get away, or I don't know how much more you want to talk about him, but think about this. That's fine. Chuck, Chuck Daly, he played for two of, you know, the best coaches that's been in the NBA. Uh, yeah. Chuck Daly was more like a, was the father that Dennis, let's be honest. He was the father Dennis Robin never had. I mean, yeah, I agree with coming that. into the league like that, uh, and not really having a father, figure or whatever. I mean, whatever he was like in his uh, 30 for 30, he was destroyed whenever the team started to break up and Daly wasn't going to be there anymore and all that. Um, That's kind of when he started to go into his suicidal phase, maybe. Uh, But, and then he, Phil Jackson was kind of like a psychologist. So, uh, you know, he had some good people uh, there to help him Whatever he did get a, get away from it, I, I think, and you know, showing him the way a little bit in the beginning, and then, uh, hey, you know, everything's gonna uh, feel like everything's gonna be okay type guy, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of felt that way too. I, I felt that Phil really um, helped Dennis, and you know, he was the kind of guy that that really, I don't know, they just seemed to bond where nobody else did, and I think, I think Rodman had a longer career in the league because of it. If not for Phil Jackson, I don't think Rodman had many stops left in him. If it didn't work out in Chicago, I don't think it was going to work anywhere. Work anywhere. And I think Rodman was, was good enough to, to, to make it last. All right. 
Anything else on the last dance before we, we wrap it up for the, this past week's episodes? Crickets. Nothing. All right. Well, as a little bit of a uh, as a, a lead-in here, before we start talking about the NFL draft, Tim has uh, gotten a hold of some some videotape, he and Rusty Shackelford, our great producer, and... Uh, Videotape? What are you talking about? Not videotape, audio tape. Excuse me. (laughs) If you all knew the kind of day I've had, it's been a rough one. Um, But uh, we've come across archival audio footage that I couldn't believe when I heard it. Audio footage. You want to introduce the damn thing? Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell us all about the pasta. Please, do it. Please, introduce it. I have to because... Clearly, audio and video have you confused tonight. Clearly. Carry on. You'll make it. All right. Thank you. We have found some archival recordings that is stunning to the ear. And, uh, you know, the primetime players were involved in this. And um, I haven't heard it. I've heard the news. It was stunning, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, Tim, what, what do you want to say about this? Because uh, you know a little more about it than me. Well, I mean, I didn't know that uh, Ed Boggess was into mariachi. I didn't know that. Um, yes, uh, and, mariachi and flamingo, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, apparently, uh, him and uh, Armando Martinez got together, and a little bit too much uh, of the... Uh, they split the, the worm in the tequila. Yeah, the tequila and the ganja, and this is what happened, apparently. Well, let's find out what happened. Here we go. Holy shit, it's a bogus. Oh, my God, there goes a bogus. The shit's in sync. Holy truly magnificent. Oh, my God, everyone loves him. He keeps the restaurants open during the pandemic. Oh, Bogus, he is a real man. He eats mozzarella sticks and the dozens. Oh, my God, there goes Bogus. He can shoot three-pointers from the half-court. He puts Michael Jordan and Steph Curry to shame. Ba, ba, Bogus. Oh, Ed Bogus. He's going to be a winner. Oh, do, 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 do. oh Ed Bogus, he loves wrestling. Oh, my God, he loves wrestling more than any man that I have the pleasure of knowing. He watches Ryan the SmackDown and the AEW and the NXT, too. Oh, everybody, what a man. He loves all wrestling. He loves the podcast and the food. He loves his child. He loves his wife. He is every man's dream. Everybody. Oh, look, at I can see him dancing on the pole now. Oh, it is unbelievable. <laughs> go ahead, Bogus, go shake that moneymaker. <laughs> oh, Bogus, put the G-string and flipping and flopping. <laughs> Whoa, Ed Bogus getting down. Oh, then we got Ed, Ed Bogus. <laughs> oh, we've got Ed Bogus. He loves Notre Dame, the Chicago Bears, and the Red Sox. Oh, I can understand how he can cheer for those teams, but he does it anyway. 
Marcus is absolutely magnificent. He is the greatest man I know because he listens to the podcast. Ba ba Marcus. Sixteen single podcast listener. Oh, Baga. Oh, I love him. Oh, I think I've been in the vodka. Oh, 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 instrumental. Oh, hang on to your, your goodies. Here comes Bogus. Oh, my God, Bogus has got a giant hoagie and he eats the whole thing. Oh, the 12-pound taco for it, Bogus. No problem. Oh, look at that burger. Five-pound cheeseburger with bacon. Oh, Bogus destroys it. He is like a Pac-Man. The Pac-Man Bogus, we shall call it. It is unbelievable. And what has happened to the accents in this video, I do not know. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, Ed Vargas. You are absolutely magnificent. Well, <laughs> apparently that that was recorded in a one-bedroom studio apartment with one microphone and a lot of tequila. <laughs> we hope you vodka. enjoyed it. Vodka, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Uh, vodka's not big in, in uh, Mexico. I don't know if you know that, but <laughs> I'm not Mexican. Well, How would I know that? That's true. Everything for you guys is probably what? Pasta? (sighs) (laughs) Alright, let's dive into the NFL draft. And Jeff, I apologize for you sitting through that, but I'd rather enjoy it. It's entertaining. (laughs) Uh, Ed Bogus, we love you. Alright, let's look at the NFL draft, shall we, gentlemen? Um, Holy shit, there goes Bogus! Let him he's on lose. the ball, he's on the ball. <laughs> oh, he's wearing the G-string and the flipping and the flopping. All right, let's look at it. NFL draft time, we'll look here at some of the teams we thought did well, some we just, and, uh, we're going to laugh at. Uh, but let's start at the top. Cincinnati, the Bengals, uh, the first pick, unanimous. Everybody saw it coming. Joe Burrow, quarterback out of LSU, then they come back and go – T. Higgins, uh, wide receiver. They take Logan Wilson, linebacker. Uh, some later picks. I'm not going to dive into every pick they made, but those are the big ones there in the first three rounds. Uh, what did you guys think of the Bengals? How did they do? Well, they didn't screw up the first pick. Well, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I'll give them that. Last week, uh, you can't be mad at them. You can't say anything to them if, uh, for picking – Burrow, because everybody thinks he should have been consensus number one. Uh, if, yeah. but they could mess things up if they don't coach him right. So, uh, well, apparently the, the talk is the talk was they're uh, saying that Burrow's been studying the Cincinnati offense and is already further along than what they think. But at the same time, it's like they think, oh, he might compete for a. Uh, a starting job, and, and what most most of Twitter was going, why wouldn't he start? Who's going to start? Andy Dalton? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know Who where knows? that bus goes. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the fiery ginger that is uh, Andy Mind Dalton. You, so. To be honest, in Andy Dalton's defense, I know that's a you don't hear that often. But no, you no, you don't. Actually, actually, if you go look at Andy Dalton's stats, his stats are pretty good. Yeah, but you look at his win-loss percentage, that's not very okay, good. But, okay, but uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe Burrows might not be year one either. Well, it may not be. I mean, but... Probably not going to be, I wouldn't think. Yeah. I'll say this. I don't think I don't think they should start him out of the gate. I don't think that's that's what you should do with this guy. 
I, I think, think you need gonna, to um, easy me. You're probably right, but they're probably going to have to because their fan base is going to demand it. They, they might game one. I don't know. It depends on what the schedule is. If game one's a road game, then you can get away with. Mind you, Andy Dalton might not be there to start either because there's rumors that they're going to ship him out. So then, what do you do? I don't know. I mean, there's talk of a lot of it, and I mean the Bengals for me. Okay, Burrow was a good pick. I T Higgins was a pretty good pick too. Uh, good wide receiver to add to the to the mix there. So he's got somebody to throw to. Never a bad idea. Uh, their third round pick, okay, and then after that they kind of well, who knows? Once you get into the fourth and fifth rounds, yeah, you get into those late rounds. Maybe you find you know, uh, maybe you find you somebody, might, but it's really hard to just sit there and yeah, say, okay, you, this you, was a good pick. Yeah, you might get a gem, but chances are probably not. So um, it is what it is at that point. But uh, they they did all right. At least they didn't botch it. Which they could yeah, have I mean, done. I mean, if you're a Cincinnati fan, you you gotta like the first pick there. It was it was the right pick, clearly that uh, to make, and it, it made the per it made sense. So I I can understand why they went the way they went, and um yeah, I don't like draft grades because it seems like every year Tampa Bay gets an A in the draft, <laughs> and every year it turns out to be disappointing. So I don't like grading yeah. drafts, but I'll say good job. How about yeah. that? Yeah, same um, here. Like Good last job. year, Vegas or uh, Las Vegas or Oakland at the time got everybody thought they did horrible, and then they end up doing all right. No, nah, they, they they didn't do good. They had three first round picks, and only one of them was worth a shit. But we'll get back <laughs> to them here in a little bit. Uh, number two pick in the draft, Washington Redskins, and um, this was the this was another no brainer. Why not take the biggest beast in the draft in Chase Young? And they did at number two. Other picks include Antonio Gibson, wide receiver from Memphis, uh, Shadig Charles uh, from LSU, offensive lineman, Antonio Gandy-Golden, a wide receiver out of Liberty. And uh, they took a few more, you know, a late linebacker safety. But uh, Washington, what's your thoughts? I think Chase Young's a good pick. Um, you know, they take a tackle in the fourth round. Maybe they could have went a little earlier. Do you like the wide receiver pick? What do you think? Uh, well, Chase Young had to be taken. I mean, they probably had better needs, to be honest. But more probably, you know, but you don't you don't pass him up. Can't pass you just him up, can't. right? Yeah, you can't. Uh, and you're always going to need a consistent pass rush. And this guy looks like, you know, cool. Jadavian Clowney number two. So. So, I mean, it, it's it's really – you have to at that point, I think. I think, you know, that was the right call. But wide receiver, they do need wide receiver help, but did they need a wide receiver more than they needed a, a lineman? Granted, uh, tackles were deep in this draft. I don't know. What, what say you, Tim? I don't like it. Okay, why? Because it's the best part of their team. They didn't need them. They should have traded this pick. If that's who they were going to so? pick, they, sh- they should have traded this pick and addressed some needs that they actually where they got holes. They don't have a hole on the, the, the their front's fine. It's one of, like I said it's one of the better best parts of the team, and that ain't saying much, mind you. But I mean, not that he's not a good player. It's not it's not him. It's just they didn't need him. Yeah, I think if Ron Rivero hadn't been the coach, uh, you're probably they may right. Have done yeah. That. yeah, I mean they just they, just they didn't need him. Or, you know, what could they have got for that pick? 
Probably a lot because they didn't have a second round pick. They just they had a third and two fourths. So, so I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, mind you. But and they, they actually traded. They actually traded their best offensive lineman during the draft. Which uh, I yeah, probably got something out of. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for real. I, now, to me, you, if, if you didn't need him, then you trade that pick, and we're, you could probably turn that pick into two or three picks at least, and you can fill some holes where you actually need help. Where I mean, not that he, like I said, there again, not that he's not a good player and probably going to turn out to be a really good player. They just didn't need him, that's all. Um, okay, I, I see that logic as well, so uh, I see that. All right, let's go to Detroit. Detroit had the third pick, and uh, this is one where I thought they should trade. I thought if anybody's yeah. going to make a trade, this would be the trade spot right here. But they don't. They go cornerback Jeff Okuda from Ohio. Steel in round two at running back. Uh, good linebacker in, uh, out of Notre Dame in Julian Okawa and Jonah Jackson, a guard out of Ohio State. In the third, I mean, they go – they didn't take a wide receiver until the fifth round. Very un-Lions-like. Uh, yeah, they needed a corner. And, yeah, I like the running back choice. Um, I thought the Lions actually did pretty well in the draft. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, I thought – I thought Swift was a, you know, a good steal or a good pick where they got him at. However, I thought they had, could have addressed some other needs as well, and uh, I'm not too crazy about them passing up uh, some of their needs. You know, not to say that I think what's his name will be good, but I think they could have done some better things with their second pick yeah. that they had. And and like you, I, w- I, I think they could have. I think people they could have got a little bit out of the third pick if they would have shopped. Or it's possible teams weren't willing to pay up. Possibly, uh, maybe what they're wanting, but you just never know. There wasn't a lot of trades this year, guys, and usually there, there are one of the least amount actually in a while, and it could have been because with what's going on or whatever. But uh, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know for sure. But no picks anyways. until the uh, no trades until the thirteenth pick in this year's draft. That was like the first time that had happened since like two thousand what was seven fifteen something like that. Uh, Tim, like do you that. think this? Do you think this team, this pick should have been traded? Well, again, do, do they need him? I mean, he was by most reports the best back in the in the in the draft. So I guess at least if you took him, you at least got a good one, I suppose. Um, there again, I suppose I mean the Detroit Lions a lot of holes. So I guess as long as they got good players, I, I don't know. They, I guess, I mean, they couldn't. Obviously, they couldn't trade it for what they wanted to get. So, okay, if you don't take him, who do you take? Let's play devil's advocate, okay? If you if you can't trade the pick and you're stuck with it, who do you take third? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way it is. If you can't get nothing, you might as well take him. Um, all right. I mean, it's, well, it's not like if he turns into any kind of a cornerback, it's not like you wouldn't be able to trade him if you didn't really need him or you didn't want him. You know, cornerbacks are out. There's always a market for good, for good ones all yeah. the time. So especially especially in the NFL, a good defensive back is hard to come by. Um, Tampa's living proof. Okay, let's look at the New York Football Giants. 
they addressed the offensive line at the fourth pick. Andrew Thomas, tackle out of Georgia. Uh, this was a steal in the second round. Xavier McKinney, safety from Alabama. The fact he fell to him there is, is mind-boggling. They take another tackle in the third round. Um, a, a guard in the fifth round. I mean, they really addressed some needs on the offensive line here. Now, maybe the guard in the fifth round, maybe he doesn't get to play, but I think you're going to see Andrew Thomas and Matt Pert uh, from Connecticut. You'll see those two guys probably uh, on the final roster. Uh, this is your team, Jeff. What's your thoughts? Do you like it? Well, uh, I did like it. I didn't love it, but I don't, definitely don't dislike it or hate it. So, it was somewhere, you know, on the uh, up and up, I guess. Um, I, you know, kind of questioned the Andrew Thomas pick at first. I thought, like, who you guys got worse was maybe being a better selection there. But more I listened and read up a little bit on it. Uh, they need they needed to address a left tackle position more so than a right. He's played left tackle. It's what he and he was probably you know people think he's the best left tackle in the draft. So I can't uh, argue with them. They didn't mess it up. Uh, and then yeah. as you said, they uh, Xavier McKinney fell to them. I, I, we all thought I think he would probably land somewhere uh, kind of uh, mid to late in the first round and he yeah I was ecstatic about that and obviously they they're doing everything they can to protect Daniel Jones because he was fumbling once twice sometimes three times a game last year without running for his life <laughs> so but <laughs> yeah. the, the only the only thing I don't uh, the only thing I think I, if I was going to grade him I would give him like a B probably uh, they didn't get a linebacker that can cover the field. They didn't get an edge guy. So I think that's the biggest thing uh, that they didn't really get. But everything else, I was you know I was satisfied with uh, Dave okay. Gettleman. Uh, you know I was kind of questioned, and uh, but uh, he I thought he did a solid job last week. Tim, any thoughts? I know would you'll you, just love the Giants. Would Would you argue that it's very odd to see that your second round pick is actually probably a better prospect than your number four pick in the first round? Yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm saying. I I was uh, you know a lot of times safeties aren't picking high aren't picked high. I believe the the Chargers one was picked pretty high there. If you I mean, uh, one from Florida yeah. State, but, uh, I was I was really I was satisfied with this. I, I mean, yeah, that. McKinney's a steal. That that was a good pick. It's not that yeah, that's a great Thomas pick. Isn't. Andrew Thomas is a decent pick. I just don't know um, because they – I mean, the story on him is that he's a great run guy, but not so much on the pass. So I guess it's kind of, well, you know, six of one, half dozen of another. If he helps Barkley, that's not the end of the world. But uh, I suppose maybe they figure he can, with some work, he can get better at pass protection. Uh, like he, yeah, I, mean, I, I will. I, I will echo. I will echo your thoughts. He, they didn't botch it. It's not a horrible pick. You're yeah. never going to tell. I'm never going to look at somebody that takes an offensive lineman, mainly because I don't know much about the lineman. But I'm never going to say somebody that's trying to beef up their line is doing something bad. Well, because and it's I like the, it's the most important position on the field, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and I watch the Giants all the time, and I mean their quarterback. Their line shit. Line, their, Their quarterback ran shit. for his life last year. I mean, he fumbled yeah. so much once, twice, three times, he thought he was in the Commodores, for God's sake. <laughs> it, was, it, was ridic- it was ridiculous. I mean, he need, they needed help there. So he can't be worse than what they had. 
That's for damn. It was a good line. It was a good line, Tim. I like that. You like that? I did. You're welcome. But yeah, I mean, I'm not a Giants fan, but I will give them. I will again. I will echo Jeff. I will say they 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 ain't an A, but it's not a C or it's not a miss either. Yeah, it's it's not a miss. You know, it's it's a it's an average, not bad. They didn't bumble it, but they maybe could have done better, but they didn't they didn't do poorly either. So yeah. All right, let's go to Miami. Welcome to Miami. Dun, dun. All right. Uh, the Dolphins. The Dolphins select Tua, whose family just looked as I've never seen a more excited family <laughs> than than Tua's family. They just, man, you couldn't wipe the shit-eating grins off their faces. Uh, Tua goes to the Dolphins at the number one, at the number five pick. Austin Jackson tackle. From USC and Goodell kind of gave the pick away when he's like, "This is good news for Tua. I'm Roger Goodell. I'm a dumbass." And then uh, they trade late in the first. They take Noah uh, Iga being older. Yeah, that's a name. <laughs> Cornerback from Auburn. I can't even pronounce that. They get another tackle early in the second. Uh, Robert Hunt from Louisiana. They take a defensive tackle in the second from uh, Alabama. Raquan Davis, safety in the third. I mean, addressing a lot of needs here. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe not the greatest picks, but I can't – again, I can't fault them for these picks. Even if these picks don't turn out to be great, they were trying to beef up the line. They got a quarterback they think could be the quarterback of the future, and they're trying to get some pass protection. I, you know, later on they take a couple edge rushers, um, two in the fifth round, which I thought was strange, but still – not bad. The only problem is who's Tua going to throw to? That's the biggest issue I have with them. Yes, yeah, uh, Robert Hunt was probably a better pick than Austin Jackson, to be honest. Uh, but like yeah, you probably. said, they filled a lot of needs. They had a lot of draft capital. They filled a lot of needs. And uh, and now it's just going to be up to them whether, well, if it was the right pick or not. The, the guy from Auburn, they talk like he could probably uh, be the best corner in the uh, the draft. Uh, it's a possibility that he could be a big time game changer. So you just want if if the right personnel at Miami can you know do all those things and coach those guys the right way, uh, they uh, they could uh, give the, you know the the AFC East a run for the money, uh, especially with people's down on the Patriots uh, and with, they feel like you know they didn't address the right things. We'll get to that later, but uh, and. You know, they like the Bills right there, so who knows what can happen. Tim, your thoughts? The Miami 2020 draft will be a success or a bust based on what happens with their first pick. If he turns out to be what they think he can be, then their draft will be successful. If it turns out that that hip is an ongoing issue, and his mobility is shot, and he gets sacked 347 times, then their draft will not be successful. And we aren't going to know that until we see some some footage and some games. So until then, on paper, not 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 that bad on paper. But after him, no 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 real big names jump out at you, considering they had first three first round picks. Um, yeah, I can see that. I, I, I am not sold on that guy. I, I, on two? I were, yeah, not, not, 
uh, unhurt Tua, I'm okay with. Yeah. I'm not so sure that you take, a, when you have the fifth pick, that you take a guy that could possibly be a hot mess. Like I said, it's, it was kind of a roll of the dice a little bit. I mean, I assume that they've had him checked out and all that stuff, and they probably, I'm sure they did. But until he hits the field, you don't really know. So it is, it's a bit of a shot in the dark for me, but he was a great player when he was healthy. So I guess that's what you got to go with. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Los Angeles Chargers, sixth pick. Justin Herbert, quarterback out of Oregon, goes here. I didn't think the Chargers would go quarterback, but they do. They take Herbert. Uh, they get Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma, in the first. They don't have another pick, though, until the fourth. Hello? Hello? Yo. Are you there, Jeff? Yeah, I just got cut off get, there, I guess. Yeah, so so did I, and I don't I I think Nate's gone, so um I have to reconnect. Uh so where were we? Chargers. What do you think of the Chargers? Uh as you talked about too, I think that uh Justin Herbert, whether uh it's gonna be up to how he well he does. This draft will be defined. This pick this team will be defined by what uh he does, just like you talked about to in Miami. Uh, because, as Nathan was saying, they didn't have a lot of picks after Kenneth Murray up and I think until late in the third or early in the fourth. Would, so, uh, would you argue that, though, for him at least, uh, expectations, <coughs> excuse me, much, much lower for him than for Tua in Miami? Yeah, I think so, just because of the fact that uh, Tua – where he played at after he overcome the injury. Um, and many people felt like it could be a risk. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, you're the sixth pick of the draft. You're supposed to uh, perform. So he's going to have to produce himself. And as you say, not as much uh, pressure maybe on him as Tua, but, uh, you know, he's not going to have a lot of room for a lot of screw-ups. <laughs> You yeah, know, hopefully he won't be having he won't be a Ryan Leaf type deal for the Chargers. Like I got, uh, you know, he won't. I think we got Nate back. I believe I'm back. I apologize. Yeah. Technical issues. Technical yeah, everybody issues. Got, no, everybody got booted. Jeff got booted. So did I. Well, we apologize to those at home, but San Diego Chargers, in my or excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers, in my opinion. Um, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sold on a quarterback there. Um, I don't know. I think they had other needs personally, and they didn't have a lot of great picks. So that's just my what, personal opinion. What what need did they have more than quarterback? Listen, the Chargers, are not, the Chargers are not going to be good. They're not going to be good. I don't care who's quarterbacking right now. They're no, not. You're, you're probably right, but we may, I made the point that that's probably why that's not such a bad pick because there's not really a whole lot of pressure on him. He's going to get a year to figure it out. Well, nobody's maybe, but expecting, nobody's I don't expecting know. much there. I don't think, but anyway, I think they need to sure up defense first, 
Uh, and then possibly Nate, uh, Nate, they've still got a, they've got a capable quarterback Nate. right now. Now he's is he a band aid? Is he a filler? Is he a game manager? Yes, but I don't know. This is the NFL. Every franchise wants to have a big name quarterback. It's all they care about, because that's what sells tickets, my friend. Yeah, defense, I mean you're not, you're not wrong. Defense does not sell tickets as much as it's very important, and probably Win even championships though. It it does, but nobody fans don't care about that. We got do we got a marquee quarterback? Wonderful. No Tampa's quarterback was when they won the Super Bowl. Nobody Brad Johnson. Does. Brad Johnson. So, I'll take that defense every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Let, let us not use the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as any okay. standard, as any standard for anything. All right, fine. We'll look at the, the Ravens. What are you <laughs> hell with you, Jeff? I don't even know what you said. All right. Oh, that was beautiful. Carolina oh, Panthers, good. let's move on here. Panthers select at seven. They take Derrick Brown, defensive tackle from Auburn. They grab a DN. In Yester Gross Matos out of Penn State, they take Jeremy Chin, safety from Southern Illinois. Uh, they eventually get Kenny Robinson Jr., who's a West Virginia player. He's a safety. Um, a lot of defense. I mean, Keekley retires. They don't grab all, a linebacker at all. All defense. You just yeah, wonder, I mean, they did, go. Did Ron Rivera really leave? <laughs> yeah, it makes you wonder. Um, They've got issues on on both sides of the ball too. Um, you know, quarterback play wasn't good last year. Uh, you know, is Will Greer the guy? Is, you know, who's no. who's going to be the guy there? Uh, Cam Newton's probably gone. I don't know. This, um, I think they this, have offensive needs, and they go all defense. Eh. This, this draft was their new head coach trying to put the stamp. That's my defensive stamp on this team now, not Rivera's. And moving forward, because man, there. If, if Cam Newton doesn't play for them, which he is probably isn't going to, now, it doesn't look like he's going to. Uh, Eddie Bridgewater is the quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, could be a long year in Carolina. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater is there. I forgot about their, that. Their, their draft didn't, didn't. I mean, it wasn't horrible again, but it wasn't like, oh my goodness, what great picks. I, I think they passed on some players that they could have used, and I'm just not sold on it. I think they uh, it's going to be a long year for the fact that the other quarterbacks that's in their division now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. That's six games this year. Good luck, Carolina. Uh, fun with that. <laughs> well, let's look. Arizona, eighth pick of the draft. They take linebacker Isaiah Simmons, who I thought Carolina was going to take after this draft started unfolding, but they didn't. Uh, they get an absolute steal, Arizona did, in the third round. Josh Jones in oh, the yes. third round, yeah. tackle out of Houston. Um, just, man, what a pick. And then a defensive tackle out of Utah, Lakey Fotu. Um, Arizona, well done on minimal yeah. picks. Oh, yeah. Minimal yeah, picks, agree. but well done. Yeah, I mean, uh, if anybody, I mean, they hit a grand slam. Uh you know, like you said, they, a lot of people had uh, Jerry Jones' illegitimate son going the first round, Josh Jones. So, <laughs> I did. I had him going to Tampa at 14. Uh, so I'm only gonna, it's June Jones', June Jones <laughs> illegitimate son, not Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and Simmons dropped to them. Which he, they, they say he's going to play linebacker more, uh, most most of the time. Uh, but he can, so you think he about can their offseason. 
Say what now? I think we lost. I said he can play. Yeah, you you broke up on there. We didn't hear that. Oh, I'm sorry. I said he could play DN, too. You still got me? Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, we we got you. Okay, go Uh, ahead, Jeff. Sorry. Um. Yeah, you're right. He could do. I mean, he could play just about anywhere. Which you know, I'm sure they'll have a lot of different uh, looks for uh, different you know whoever they're playing. But think about the off season they had. I mean, Simmons drops to them. They got Hopkins for a second round pick. They got Josh Jones in a third round, and then they got Kenyon Drake in a, uh, for a fifth round pick. I mean, uh, you know, the NFC West looks like it's going to get. They're building. Tougher. They're yeah. building over uh, there. Tim? The only thing, only thing I'll say about their, I mean, their their picks were great. No, no, no arguing their picks. The only thing that's kind of surprised is that maybe that they didn't take a wide receiver. But by I guess maybe by the time they got to make their second pick, there really weren't many left. By that, I point. think you, I think you had to take who you took there in the second round with Jones. They didn't, I mean, have, they didn't get a, they didn't have a second round pick. They didn't have a second round pick. Oh yeah, that's they got him in third. Excuse me. By the, got, by the time, got, yeah, by the they got time they get. By the time they got to him, there probably wasn't much left at wide receiver that they liked. Well, so they didn't. Take they him, traded so. for Hopkins though. Like they they got Hopkins. So, I mean, maybe True, not a necessarily a need. I mean, Kyler Murray ran for his life last year, so they at least addressed that with the Jones pick. Yeah, it's a good pick. So, so yeah, right. I, they did they did they did pretty good. They didn't botch it either. So good for them. All right, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, C.J. Henderson, pick nine, cornerback out of Florida. They come back later in the first round and take uh, Clavon Chasson, linebacker from LSU, wide receiver in the second round, LaVisca Chennault Jr., and then in the third round, Davin Hamilton, defensive tackle from Ohio State. They had a bunch of picks in this draft. They eventually took a quarterback in the sixth round, which was Jake Lutton from Oregon State. Uh, man, they, they had a lot of picks here. Really added a lot to this team. But, I mean, I, I just wonder if they maybe waited a little too long on a wide receiver. I like the cornerback pick with Henderson here. Chasson, maybe. I mean, yeah, you need defense. But they're in desperate need of a receiver down there in Jacksonville. And, um, you know, Gardner Minshew don't have much to throw to. What, what say you guys? Uh, I thought the Henderson pick was really a good pick. Um, many people thought he was a better corner than Okuda. And uh, then uh, the linebacker from LSU, many people thought he would be mid-pick, uh, and he dropped just a few spots. So I think they got some good value. Just like you said, you wonder if uh, not having a receiver – Will they be able to move the ball down the field? And then with the Fournette stuff going on, if he should be traded or not, they're just offenses. I feel like some disarray. And uh, yeah, uh, they said, uh, I tell you what, they talk like the, the quarterback that they got could be in the sixth round could be uh, could be a steal. So look out for that. Okay. Tim, Jacksonville is in rebuild mode. Are they going to be any good next year? I don't think so. Okay, so is there a possibility that they don't take a wide receiver because they're going to take a quarterback next year? Any possibility. I mean, they take, that maybe they want Trevor Lawrence? Uh, it's a, again, possibility. We'll see. I mean, 
it, it's I a wait they, and see I, thing. I think they know they're going to be bad, so they went defense because that was there. They didn't, you know, the, the the first two picks they made are both good picks. I don't think anybody can argue with those two picks, really. It's just you, you know, again whether they address the needs or not. But I think they they went for what they knew, and they're going to work on that end of it. And then next year they'll worry about the offense. Just okay. My take, just my take right. on it. Well, let's look here. Cleveland at pick ten. They take Jedrick Willis Jr., who I thought that's a steal. If you ask me, he falls to ten. I had him going at four. Um, tackle from Alabama. Give. Uh, uh, Baker Mayfield some protection. They take a safety and Grant Grant Delpit from LSU. Third round Jordan Elliott tackle from Missouri and a linebacker Jacob Phillips from LSU. They grab a late uh, a tight end in the fourth and a wide receiver in the sixth. Donovan Peoples Jones. I I love that name. And New Jersey also, immediately. That is also a complete and total steal in round six. That was that. Oh uh, yeah, a you're steal. a Michigan guy. Go ahead and elaborate on him. Uh, I'd say a lot of people guy, don't know a lot about him. That guy's pretty good. Uh, much better than a sixth round pick, that's for sure. Uh, I think he might really surprise people if he meshes with Mayfield. Um, that that was a good pick, in my opinion. Okay, I think Jeff, the tight end's supposed to be a good pick too, uh, from what they say. Uh, I can't remember his name, but they talk like he was a steal. Oh. But, um, you know, Harrison Bryant. Okay. They too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, uh, I mean, he's going to have, uh, I mean, all kinds of skilled guys. I think who's in their back. I mean, they, people protecting they, him, and he's going to yeah, have big targets. So. Yeah, you can't argue. I mean, they, he needed a protection. They got him some. He needed somebody to throw to. They got him some. You know, they did. they did the opposite of what the Green Bay Packers did. Oh, we're going to get to them. Uh, let's go to the New York Jets now. 11, they take Micaiah Becton, tackle out of Louisville. Uh, they get Denzel Mims, wide receiver from Baylor. Good pick there uh, because they are desperate need of a wide receiver. I still think they go wide receiver first round. I think that's the better pick there. I thought it was dumb to take a tackle. Uh, when you're when you're so down at wide receiver, you need a wide receiver. And they could have taken – they could have had their pick. There would be none off the board. But they go tackle. what the Raiders did. <laughs> well, we'll get to them here in a second, too. Uh, Ashton Davis, safety from Cal, goes in the third. They get uh, Jabari Zunga Dean from Florida. Grab a, a, you know, Michael P. Ryan. I don't know if it's any relation to Samaja. They, too, took a quarterback, James Morgan from FIU. Um, what do you think about the Jets? I think they should have went wide receiver at the beginning. But other than that, you know, Mims fell to him, so – He's decent, but I don't know if he's a number one overall receiver. I'm like you. I give him a B minus. Uh, just uh, Beckton, great tackle. Like you said, they probably could have took Ruggs or Judy or C.D. Lamb in that pick. But Mims, they people are high on him. Uh, that's it's big question mark. I mean, he could be the one that defines whether or not they go in the right direction or not. So uh, that that second round pick. And, they were kind of unfortunate, I think, that he dropped uh, when he did. Uh, yeah, very. Uh, Tim? I mean, you just got to wonder, you know, the Jets get a new GM. And still, not in aptitude, but close. You just sort of got to wonder what the thinking is there. Um, I mean, I guess a pass protector for Darnold isn't the end of the world. 
but apparently that guy has got uh, there's some very much some questions about his weight. He's already six seven three sixty five. Yeah, he's a big dude. Uh, yeah, okay, he can't get any bigger, or he ain't gonna be fast enough to keep up. So uh, they kind of it's a bit of a again not a miss, but I think they could have done better. All right, all right, let the fun begin. Las Vegas, the Raiders. They take Henry Ruggs III, wide receiver from Alabama. They go Damon Arnett, cornerback from Ohio State, later in the first. And then then it gets even more weird. Third round, they have three picks. Two of them are back-to-back. So what do they do? Lynn Bowden Jr. and Brian Edwards back-to-back. Two wide receivers at 80 and 81. They also grabbed a safety, a guard, and a corner. Um, it's the Raiders. Uh, Jerry Jones may be gone, but the Raiders are always going to draft the fastest man in the draft. That would be Henry Ruggs III. Um, I think he's a good receiver, but I would have probably went with Judy or Stephen Lamb uh, over him. You meant Al Davis, not Jerry Jones. That's who I meant. I apologize. Um, then two wide receivers back-to-back in the third. When you could really get a steal on some guys – and you draft three wide receivers in this draft. I don't get it. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's just me. Uh, what do you guys think? The Raiders. Uh, I liked it, guys. I'm sorry. I know you guys are. No, no, you can have an opinion. I mean, it's okay. Uh, uh, well, Lynn Bowden was uh, more of a kind of like a Taysom Hill type player at Kentucky. He played quarterback. I think he led the SEC in rushing actually last year. So look out for them using him in gadget plays. He's just listed as a wide receiver. He played quarterback, running back, and receiver at times depending on their matchups. Um, and then yeah. uh, and then Brian Edwards, uh, I believe that's who you said. Uh, I think he was at South Carolina. He's big, big receiver, yeah. big target. So uh, they definitely obviously they want to get Derek Carr some uh, receivers. Uh, you know, Gruden, I think he's had kind of a love-hate relationship with Carr since he's been there. But I think he, you know, he's going to stick with him. He's going to get him the guys. And uh, actually, their second-round pick I thought was probably a better pick than what people think. Uh, Arnett. So uh, of course, Rugs. We all when we talked last week, we all thought it would be him, Judy, or C.D. Lamb. You could interchange them at whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I mean. I, I give them a B also. Uh, you know, I, you, all, you all might give them C or D or whatever. But uh, and the last year, I thought they did good with the picks they had when people thought they did. I mean, bad with them. Uh, I mean, you all might think that, but um, most of your people right now are saying that uh, that they thought they did good last year. Now and this year, the question again. So uh, we'll have to see. It's a wait and see. Tim Raiders. Okay. My problem is this. If you're going to take a wide receiver, I'm fine with that. Why don't you take the best one? That's my first problem. Then you pick, then you 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 uh, take him with your second first round pick. You take a guy that you could have easily got in the second round without too much trouble. So why don't you take Rugs with that second pick and just start shoveling all those picks down a notch or two? Then it's not that bad to me. But I I don't understand. If you want a wide receiver, why didn't they, why didn't they take the best one? I, I'm I'm trying to understand the logic. Henry Ruggs is a little dude. 
he is not a big guy. I I do not see him being in the, on a par with some of the other guys that went after him. All right. I think they could, real quick. I think they good. They could have maybe traded up and got Henderson. I mean, they need somebody that can cover Tyreek Hill. So, yeah, they but, do. I'll give you that. They do. But you know, we'll, like I said, we'll see what happens. Uh, they, but they think they with they got their corner in the second round that could uh, help them a lot. So we'll see. Okay. Thirteenth pick, Tristan Riffs. The Buccaneers trade up to take. They trade up one spot to take a tackle in Tristan Weirs from Iowa. Uh, and then they tr- they take Antoine Winfield Jr. safety from Minnesota, an All-American in the second round. Kayshawn Vaughn running back out of Vanderbilt in the third. Um, I love Pearson at 13. I think that's a steal if I've ever seen one for the Bucks. Love the safety pick. They needed a safety in a bad way, despite what Mel Kuyper says. Uh, I love uh, the back, the running back. I was a fan of. They go late later in the draft and get a, a wide receiver for a little depth, but we're not hurting at receiver. So I think Tampa did a good job here in this draft, getting Brady protection, getting some defense uh, in a desperate needed spot, and possibly getting another running back. Uh, what say you guys? Uh, I think they. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. I had to go first because I just wanted to say, you know. Uh, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, six foot five, three hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Tom, I'm sure that Tom Brady, his eyes lit up when he saw that guy was still there, and they and they took him. I'm sure that was that's what that's what a franchise should do. That is an obvious need that they had with an, an aging quarterback that's going to need some protection. Excellent pick. Then doesn't get much better. That 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 is one of the best picks of the first round, in my opinion. And that pains me to say that because Nate likes Tampa Bay. So, <laughs> uh, Jeff, they oh, did go well. ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. No, Thank I'm done. Done. They did well. Jeff. Oh yeah, I think they nailed it. I think you know, one of the few A's if I would give. You know, it goes to them. And although they did trade up just one spot. Uh, for the 49ers, uh, I think they gave up a fourth and got a. They gave up a back. fourth and they got a seventh back. Um, I, you know who knows who was talking to the 49ers about getting getting that spot, and as you know, he was saying that uh, Brady's eyes probably lit up. It's like, oh yeah, you know, here's a Big Ten guy. I can trust these guys uh, tackle out there. So, and they the rest of the picks they I think were good. The Winfield pick was good. Uh, they were fortunate he dropped. Well, I'll say he yeah. dropped to the second round, and then uh, yeah, Keyshawn Bond was a good pick. Definitely surprised by all the safeties dropping. That was uh, kind of uh, strange for sure. But uh, I'll tell you what, here's what we'll do. Since we've got we got to get through 32 picks, and we've only got, you know, five, ten minutes left, we'll finish up. We'll go halfway through the first round here. And then, Jeff, if you're willing to come back next week, we will finish the second round next week. Tim, does that work for you? That works for me. Tim, uh, Jeff, is that that's good? Fine. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's fine. All right. That way, we're not go- that way we're not producing a three-hour podcast here. Doesn't, doesn't matter if it works for Jeff. It worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, at 14, the 49ers select Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle out of South Carolina. At 25, they come back. And take Brandon 
Ayuka, wide receiver from Arizona State, and you know they take a couple of ta- take a tackle, another receiver, a tight end, uh, Colton McKivitz, tackle from West Virginia. So good for him. Niners draft. You know, I think they did well for a team that didn't need a lot. What do you guys think? I think uh, they could have got them some corner help. Again, um, if they're the favorite in the NFC or co-favorite or whatever, um, they may see the uh, Chiefs again when they, if they get to the Super Bowl. And, you know, again, who's going to – they didn't address any needs at corner, really. So, I do think they did some good things, though, in the first round. They traded back into the first – like, moved up in the first round. And – uh and the biggest thing they probably did during the draft was get Trent Williams after Joe Staley retired. Uh, yeah, that was him. huge. That was huge. Well, I think they got better. I just still think they need some corner help, though. Yeah, and I'm sure. surprised Washington Washington didn't, get, didn't give up a whole lot for or like didn't get a lot for him. I was kind of surprised. But Tim, go ahead. Well, I apologize. Yeah. That's all right. Um, it kind of looked like it, when I look at their draft real quick, it sort of looks like they decided that the way they were going to beat. Kansas City was with offense. Well, I mean, they drafted a wide receiver, a tight end, a tackle, and another wide receiver. But but it sort of looked like they thought maybe, maybe that was more of the problem than on the other side of the ball. Um, they, they did all right. They, there again, uh, I mean, come on. They picked a guy from West Virginia. I mean, how could you? you know, it's pretty hard to argue <laughs> that, they, that they did poorly. I mean... <laughs> New England picked the guy from Marshall. <laughs> oh, those yeah. magnificent Patriots. They took a kicker from Marshall, the herd, baby. Yeah, you got to love that. So, no argument from me. I mean, Fran- San Francisco didn't have any glaring holes, so who are they, you know, what do you want them to pick? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to a team that goes to the Super Bowl, it's hard to sit there and say, well, what did we need? We needed to, to score more. That's what we need. <laughs> Class rush. Maybe. All right. 15, Denver Broncos. They take Jerry Judy, wide receiver from Alabama at 15, and then K.J. Hamler, wide receiver from Penn State in the second. Uh, They take Michael Ajamuda, corner out of Iowa in the third, and they also grab Lloyd, and this is a great name, by the way, Lloyd Cushenberry the third from LSU in the center. Yeah, I I need need a Lloyd Cushenberry jersey tomorrow. And uh, third round, another third round pick, M- McTelvin Ang. Or yeah, I think he's Ang. from Arkansas. Yeah. yeah, he's from Arkansas. So, great names here getting drafted. But, uh, man, Lloyd Cushenberry the third, I'm all over that. But, you know, Denver, two wide receivers early, but uh, obvious lack of depth. You know, they didn't take them back to back like some people we know. But um, Jerry Judy's going to, I think he has a chance to be a difference maker. Uh, what say you guys? What do you think about the the Broncos? I thought their off season did not just the draft, but was solid. They got Gordon. Uh, they got, I mean, uh, Drew Ock got surrounded with some some skill players, some talent there. With he's got Gordon Lindsay, and he's got some good tight ends. Uh, and then the receivers they drafted. So everybody uh, now, Jeff. Everybody loves a, a good tight end. That's for sure. Right. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but uh, anyways. Uh, I, you know, I will give them a B plus. I mean, I thought they did, and I think the guy from Arkansas, he was just on a bad team, and uh, he's really skilled. I mean, 
if he'd been maybe somewhere like Alabama or whatever, he knows he would, would, good and well he would have went in the first or second round. So I, I believe that they uh, did pretty well this off season. The uh, the Denver Broncos are shaping up to have a pretty good team down the road. You look yeah. at their you look at their roster. They got three quarterbacks who are all. 23, 23, 23. You look at their running backs. Melvin Gordon is the old man, and he's 27. Their other guys are all 23, 24. Their wide receivers, they got a slew of wide receivers. They're all young. Everybody on that team is 23, 24 years old. Uh, they could be hell on wheels if they can figure it out. Uh, if Drew Locke turns into anything, which by all consensus he probably will. Um, they're going to have a good team, and then playing where they play, you can air it out up there, boy. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a tough place to play if you can play it against the cook and throw. It definitely is. So I think they're they're building for where they play in that stadium and all that stuff, and good on them. Because they haven't, you know, they were pretty good when Peyton was there. Before that, they suffered for quite a while, minus Elway's brief flashes of brilliance. And then they're, they're due. Uh, I got nothing against Denver being good. They did well. All right. Last team we'll talk about this week. Next week, we're going to talk about Tim's Cowboys. We're going to talk about what in the hell is going on in Green Bay and more. So we'll talk more about that. But the Atlanta Falcons, boo. The Falcons, 28-3. A.J. Terrell, quarterback out of Clemson at 16. Uh, Marlon Davidson in the second round defensive end from Auburn. And they take Matt Hennessy, uh, center out of Temple in the third round. They take a punter in the seventh round. I think it's the first punter I've seen that got taken in the draft. Um, Atlanta Falcons, thoughts? Good, bad, indifferent? What do you think? Uh, I think the uh, third round pick was a good steal in Hennessy, uh, and he project, projected him to go first, second round, late yeah. first, uh, second round. Uh, Terrell, I, I, I think that they were really wanting Henderson, but it, I, don't, I think it was too big of a jump for them to, to have to go up to uh, eight or nine or whatever it was to have to get him. And uh, they, they, but you know, the, he went up against the, some of the best talent. Uh, and especially in the playoff games, and uh, and then in practice he had to go against T. Higgins. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean and he's going to be playing against some of the best. Clearly, I mean Brady, yeah. Brees. Uh, well, maybe T. not Higgins in Carolina, but <laughs> yeah. Good luck, Rook. Well, we'll see what he does. But Tim, thoughts at Falcons? Uh, I don't know, man. When you're picking a guy 16th whose pre-draft rank is 46. Boy, you better hope that that pans out. Um, I don't know. I think they kind of uh, they kind of missed the boat, in my opinion. This yeah. is the, to me. This is the first draft where I don't think they did that well. They could have done better. Just saying. Kind of dropped mm-hmm. the ball a little. Yeah. I well, think so. Well, that's the first half of the teams from the draft we'll come back and talk more about next week before we leave out of here we got to do one more thing and that's pay a bill so we'll be right back if you're into comic books and collectibles then you are going to want to check out atomic comics and collectibles llc 
They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game system, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. And again, thanks everyone out there for listening in. Thanks to Atomic Comics Collectibles LLC, New Law Office, Stay Classy Meets, and Strip Camp Fun, our great sponsors here on the show. And gentlemen, it was a fun show, a little long this week, uh, but next week we'll be back with more content and more to talk about. Uh, anything you guys want to throw in there before we uh, skedaddle for this evening? Jeff, anything you want to add? I just, uh, everybody will try to watch uh, The Last Dance. It's been great so far, A+. plus. Yeah, I've been enjoying it, too. I've been enjoying it, too. Tim, what should we expect out of you next week? I believe if uh, all reports out of uh, the uh, primetime player camp are correct, we might be looking at uh, wasting away again in Shinstonville next week. (laughs) Well, we'll see what happens there. But uh, you can follow us on Twitter at WideJump. Tim's at Tileman68. You can follow uh, follow the show over at, on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Make sure you're tuning in, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating, and uh, tell your friends, share the show, and uh, next week we'll be back. Anything else, guys? Or if not, we're going to call it a yeah. night. Stay safe, everyone. A couple of weeks yep. to go, and we should, be, we should be out of it in a couple of weeks. So Let's hope so, Jeff. Some, looking forward to some sports, for God's sake. Amen. We'll talk about that next week, too, if we get a little extra time. So we'll definitely dive into some more because there's a lot to talk about, some breaking news over the past few days. We'll talk about it next week. Oh, Plenty got, to talk I got, about. I got a quick one for Jeff. Go ahead. Jeff, who won the uh, English Football Cup in 1964? English Football Cup? Uh, you got me there. Uh, it's a trick question. There was no English Football Cup in 1964. <laughs> that was wrong. Undefeated. (laughs) Have a good night, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this broadcast on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. You can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wide men can't jump for more exclusive content only available to our Patreon members. You can find this program and others like it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and more. Just search Wide Men Can't Jump. Thanks to our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets, where you can check them out at stayclassymeets.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Follow us on Twitter at WideJump and be sure to keep up with all the content that's being posted there. 
Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Wide Men Radio Network. Bush.